Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today's episode features the eighth installment of Honest Conversations that features an interview with Fernando Paez, who is a franchise sales consultant specifically working on expanding homeownership in the Latino community. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Caliber Home Loans is committed to helping customers at all stages of homeownership. Whether you're the first in your family to buy a home or just a first-time homebuyer, our focus is on getting you into the home of your dreams and helping you stay there. Contact Caliber Home Loans if you'd like to learn more. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Honest Conversations, the show that examines the state of minority home ownership in America. Today, I'm joined with Fernando Paez, a franchise sales consultant specifically working on expanding home ownership in the Hispanic community. Thanks for having me. Of course. Fernando, as you know, 2020 was a year unlike any other as the COVID-19 pandemic impacted communities across the world and social and political unrest kept Americans divided at the polls. While all of these factors could seemingly impact anyone's dream of home ownership, data shows the American dream of home ownership remains resilient in Hispanic communities despite high unemployment, high COVID-19 infection rates, and greater loss of reduction of income compared to non-Hispanic whites. In order to better understand Hispanic home ownership in America today, let's examine some of the history. Historically speaking, Hispanics and Blacks in America have faced their fair share of housing discrimination, and when it comes to economic distress, data shows it disproportionately impacts their communities. In fact, as recently as the Great Recession, data from the Urban Institute shows that Hispanic households suffered the greatest losses of household wealth of any racial or ethnic group, and while Hispanic households are now the biggest force behind the national home ownership growth, there is still work to be done. Fernando, as a member of the Hispanic community, what are some of the stories you grew up hearing about housing or how was home ownership discussed with you personally? Thank you for um, this first question. I, I was born and raised in Argentina. I'm an immigrant uh, to this uh, wonderful country. And um, I think we agree that uh, home ownership is uh, the foundation for building wealth. And I grew up, you know, dreaming, and this is the American dream, of owning a house, uh, being a homeowner. And um, you reach some uh, key points uh, that happened, especially in the last year with, you know, uh, COVID and, and many, um, many issues. And uh, for Hispanics, I think we, we need more education. We need to understand that we can have access to, you know, mortgages, that we can uh, buy a house, and we need to know the, uh, the details. Uh, and uh, I think we can talk more about some of the details in our discussions today, but but I, I think it's very important to understand that uh, we are here to make sure, especially in my position now with uh, Remax, to reach you know the Hispanic community and make sure they're aware that they can own a home, they can have access to you know a mortgage, and they they can afford to buy a home. 
And as we talk about housing education, we need to talk about the history that impacted what is going on today. To start, let's revisit in 1948 when the landmark Supreme Court case, Shelley versus Kramer, ruled that enforcement of racially restrictive covenants were a violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. That being said, many people of color were still subjected to housing segregation in the years that followed. In fact, data shows that by the 1960s, the home ownership rate for Latino Americans still trailed behind their peers as local developments were able to prevent them from settling in particular areas due to practices like redlining. So, Fernando, why even after such rulings were Latino Americans still facing hardship in the housing market? We we have to understand that while now is illegal, redlining, which is the discriminatory practice of denying uh, credit-worthy applicants alone for housing in in specific neighborhoods, we know that even though, you know, this is happening, you know, there are many people that are eligible for loans. Uh, and this has played a significant role in the home ownership disparities between minorities, in this case, uh, Hispanics and white families all across uh, the United States. From our perspective, the real estate industry is in a great position to help address this racial uh, wealth gap. Number one, by advocating the importance of Hispanics, and especially, you know, and also a minority on home ownership. Again, going back to my first point, uh, I think we have to uh, work on educating people and um, work against these, you know, uh, trends. Let's fast forward to the 2000s and discuss former President Barack Obama and Donald Trump's views on immigration, which undoubtedly impacted the home ownership dreams of Latino Americans across the country. According to Pew Research, during Obama's presidency, it was reported that deportations reached a record level, rising to an annual average of nearly 400,000, which is about 30% higher than the annual average during the second term of the Bush administration and about double the annual average during George W. Bush's first term. And while Latino deportations fell under Trump's administration, his rhetoric on illegal immigrants contributed to the apprehension of nearly 900,000 migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border from October 2018 to September 2019 alone, marking the highest annual level in 12 years. This is important considering a study from Brigham Young and Cornell Universities showed that increased deportations between 2006 and 2008 led to a higher rate of foreclosure in the years that followed among Hispanic households as compared to other ethnic groups. Fernando, how do you think Obama and Trump's stance on immigration impacted household formations for the Latino community? Let me um, use uh, Remaxio Adam Contos uh, quote, and he often uh, quoted our co-founder, Dave Linegar, and he said, you cannot do business looking in the rearview mirror. And while I can go back to the previous administration and this administration, my hopes uh, for this new administration uh, has different points. Uh, I hope this new administration addresses the labor shortage. Uh, I hope this administration reverse some um, zoning and land use restrictions, includes, you know, a bill that would um, target housing and infrastructure. And in many states, in many um, parts of the country, um, work on uh, reform, zoning, and land use. And um, I think we also need to um, start looking at credit. You know, how do we protect people that are going through hard times during this pandemic? Uh, Be able to uh, access uh, credit. Uh, especially for first-time uh, home buyers, I think this administration can do um, uh, some work on addressing the labor shortage 
uh, hoping passing, you know, uh, comprehensive immigration reform uh, so we can incorporate strategies for providing uh, the construction industry with this reliable labor. And this will will, will definitely, you know, um, keep up with the housing demand. And we've seen this and uh, we've seen this in, in different parts of the countries. Right. So kind of like what you're saying about not looking in the rearview mirror, we have to focus on what's happening right now. Despite the impacts of deportation on the Hispanic community, Fernando, in August of last year, a survey from the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals found that 40% of Hispanics who did not currently own a home had plans to buy within the next five years, marking the highest among any demographic. This data shouldn't be surprising, as U.S. Census data has shown Hispanics have consistently been driving home buying demand. That being said, there are still hurdles for Hispanic home buyers. Fernando, what are some of these hurdles? One trend that we've seen uh, right now is the lack of available housing inventory. And, and that's probably the main barrier right now, and especially in Hispanic ownership and growth. Um, and actually, you mentioned um, uh, NAREP, which is a partner of REMAX. REMAX uh, National Housing Report showed that the month supplies of inventory decreased to 1.8. And that's a six-month supply that indicates a market balance equally between buyers and sellers. Uh, and I, I think, too, inventory shortages are considerably pronounced in, in some states, in, uh, especially in metropolitan uh, statistical areas with high concentration of Hispanic residents. And tight construction labor market also uh, uh, prohibited builders all over the country from constructing the the, the homes that are necessary to uh, meet uh, housing demand. Um, Especially for uh, uh, this group of Latinos that are are home buyers. Um, We talk about uh, immigration policies that make this problem even harder. You know, we know that a large, you know, group that uh, work in this construction, you know, industry depends heavily on immigration uh, or the worst work come from immigration. So the great opportunity that we have right now is Latino purchasing power. It's uh, 1.7 trillion. Mm-hmm. And this trend will indicate that Latinos are driving demand for home ownership. And there's no question that the, this is a great opportunity, a market opportunity that hasn't been uh, fully optimized. And this is where Remax can make an impact. And you mentioned NAREP, the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. Mm-hmm. We work closely with them. They're our partners. Right. So in one of former President Donald Trump's administration's last acts, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development declared the Federal Housing Administration would once again back mortgages for immigrants under the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, also known as DACA program. Prior to the announcement, the FHA Single Family Housing Handbook indicated that non-U.S. citizens without lawful residency in the U.S. were not eligible for FHA-insured mortgages. Although this language was incorporated into the FHA handbook by the Obama administration in September 2015, it was incorporated into FHA guidelines in 2003 and predated the creation of the DACA program, which created controversy on how the FHA should handle mortgages for DACA recipients. Now that this has been altered, Fernando, what will this mean for the many DACA recipients who probably had dreams of home ownership? Yes, on January 19th, the Trump administration got rid of the rule roughly about 700,000 recipients of the DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, from being able to get mortgages insured by the FHA. 
the Federal Housing Administration. I think allowing DACA recipients to access FH loans opens a, a door to home ownership for those immigrants and also to immigrants who are not in the program. Mm-hmm. If DACA recipients can get loans from uh, traditional lenders, community lending organizations have more funds to distribute to others who have nowhere else to go for loans. All right. So I'm assuming that this will also uh, heighten home buying demand, which is interesting. And as we talk about that, data from the Urban Institute shows all the home buying demand is growing in Latino communities. Of the 100 cities they analyzed in 2019, only two had reversed the racial home ownership gap and had a higher rate of Hispanic homeowners today than non-Hispanic white homeowners. Those cities were El Paso and Laredo, Texas. At the time the research was gathered, the Hispanic homeownership rate in El Paso was 63.9% and 61.5% in Laredo. Fernando, what do you think is driving the growth in these markets? Well, you mentioned something that it's interesting because while you know this gap is growing between minorities and especially Latino homeowners and white homeowners, El Paso and Laredo are the exception to this rule. Mm-hmm. And um some numbers. Uh, we have about 4.9 million millennials with credit uh, characteristics to qualify for mortgages. You know, Texas and, and many of these come from Texas. And in 2018, the Houston market um, added the most Hispanic owners and Texas benefited the most from Latino immigration patterns, adding an increase of 102,000 Latinos. Here, there are two factors, I think, that are very interesting and and very unique in El Paso and and Laredo. I was in El Paso last last month, and um, there we have a boom of construction because there's a high demand for new uh, construction. And that's one characteristic. Uh, Another thing that I heard many uh, realtors, you know, people that that we work with is for bliss. You know, this is, you know, uh, uh, a big, you know, uh, part of, you know, the booming, um, uh, creating demand. And also is the affordable housing market. You know, uh, the reason why, you know, uh, uh, El Paso came, you know, as the top 10 is because, you know, the average price of a home in El Paso, it's about $158,000. And the amount of the down payment required to purchase a home uh it's 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 affordable compared to um, sixty thousand salary or less. That it's the average in the Paso as well. So, if you look at some you know statistics from two thousand fifteen two thousand eighteen, uh, Latino migration patterns uh, underscore these trends. Uh, we know that markets uh, like you know California, New York, where the um, the medium uh, home uh, price is higher. Then we have, you know, that in Texas, that's lower. So we we seen that that this uh, migration, people coming from, especially from uh, cities in the border, Laredo and El Paso, reversing this trend that we're talking uh, between, you know, uh, minorities and white homeowners. Okay. Fernando, as someone heavily involved in expanding home ownership in Hispanic communities, what are some of the common questions you hear on a regular basis? Or the most common questions that I get is um, education, like I said in the beginning. Um, uh, Many uh, broker owners or agents need to work with the community and uh, educate them about what is needed to 
to buy a house. Um, credit, you know, some of, you know, the most um, typical problems that we have are, you know, language barriers. You know, it's, it's, it's very difficult, you know, for prospect of homeowners that want to buy a house, that they have to read these pages, uh, sometimes, you know, 50 or 60 pages that are in English, and they, they don't understand the link. That's, that's, that's very difficult. Uh, and, and that's uh, where agents have to work with the community. Uh, I've seen, for example, in El Paso, you know, uh, some agents doing some workshops with um, Hispanics and, and what's needed to um, qualify for a mortgage and, and things like that. We've heard of people going into communities and talking directly to these people or holding webinars or seminars to get them more involved in the home ownership process. And now this brings me to my favorite part of the interview, as I like to ask each Honest Conversation guest the same two questions. What is your biggest area of concern for minority homeownership today? And what can the industry do to address the gap? Our industry needs more Hispanic on real estate businesses. And this is to help people or to you know help you know, guide people uh, through home ownership process. Uh, this is a very complicated process. And if you are somebody that comes to the country and even if you have a basic, you know, knowledge of the language, but when you get into the um, the process of buying a house, the mortgage, the title, uh, and, and all the papers you have to do, it, it gets very complicated and it can be intimidating and challenging. I'll give you my, my own example. When my family moved from New York to Texas and we have to go through the um, process and we have to read, you know, the 100 pages, you know, paper that includes all the, all the lingo that, you know, comes with, you know, buying a house. It's a challenge. And that's where real estate professionals who have good skill sets, the ones who understand the nuances of various communities like Hispanic community, uh, are the, the resource in helping and, and facilitate this homeownership that we have in this country. So I think increasing diversity in the real estate and mortgage industry, especially in the senior leadership um, and encouraging minority business utilization will improve performance. I hope so too. These are things that I know we'll be looking for for this year and next year as we go into the future, hopefully getting minority home ownership back on par so there's no longer a gap there. Fernando, I want to say thank you for joining us today and guests join us next week for some more honest conversations. Thank you, Fernando. Alcina, thank you for having me. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.